Hello and welcome to podcast number 19 of the Embryology series. Hi Irene. Greetings all, how are we all? Hopefully everybody is happy and um, it is a sunny day today so I'm very happy. Hey, I said there was a boycott on the weather, we're not allowed to talk about the weather. I know, but it's just nice. Um, yeah, but the other thing we were going to talk about was the fact that I've been puking my guts up for a week, which isn't very nice. Yes, but Scott Sigler's been helping you out with that. Yeah, I, I do love him, he's been fantastic. Um, he's got two on the go at the moment, Nocturnal and Infected. I'm Great listening. story. Yeah, I just finished Ancestor, I'm listening to Infected. Yeah, I think brilliant. I listen to the whole lot now. So why are you puking up all the time then, and why do you need Scott Sigler so much? I need Scott and the toilet bowl because I am nearly 15 weeks pregnant. Yay, how embryologically Yay. relevant. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Although, what I did realise was all the juicy stuff happens so like far in advance, like... <laughs> All the good stuff. By the time you can tell people and it's safe to tell people you're pregnant, all the good stuff's already happened and it's just getting bigger and bigger and, you know, all that. It's done, yeah, by eight yeah. weeks when everything's formed. Well, that's ten clinical weeks, isn't it? The first exactly. games are 12, 14 weeks. Exactly, job's done. Congratulations, so, um, well done. Thank you very much, thank you, thank you. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm feeling a lot better today, so all is well with the world. Um, and I'm going to start, trying to start doing some more exercise because basically for the last three months I've done absolutely nothing. You've been doing much lately? Hang on, you're going to start exercising now that you're pregnant? Yeah, more like swimming, and I, I did go on a bike ride the other day, but... Yeah, swimming sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. no 15-mile um, runs or anything, though. No, no. The, the <laughs> surf, the, the surf um, is, I don't know, I, if it's nice and gentle, I might go in, but um, it's absolutely huge at the moment, so I, I'm giving it a miss. Well, how dangerous is surfing? I don't know, because I don't surf yet. Well, I mean, you could get a board in the stomach, but I'm not that bad, so I kind of can control it. So I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm fairly you safe. You get your own board in your stomach. Yeah, well, sometimes. How do you, you do that? Be... <laughs> well, <laughs> if you fall off, if you fall off and it's a windy day, you can get a board in all sorts of places. I've had an absolute cracker right between the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't look very pretty for about three days, um, but. Yeah, you know, boards are hard and, and, you know, you can lose control of them. But generally I'm okay and, and that's why I'm being on the safest side of just going in when it's a nice, quiet, you know, calm day, couple of foot, clean. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. That's a very good idea. Yeah, it's good yeah. for you and it's a good distraction. Well, autumn's here. I would say the weather's changed, but it hasn't really. It's been autumnal most of the summer. Can't talk oh. about the weather. Sorry. <laughs> I can talk about the seasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, autumn's yeah. here. I know, it's, um, well, like I said, today is sunny, so that's what I'm holding on to. Yeah, so I started doing a bit of running, which is nice. Yeah, ah, yes. Do a couple of half marathons, I think, next year. This golf malarkey makes you soft. <laughs> Finally, he admits it. Yeah, it <laughs> makes you soft. Everybody, well, not everybody plays golf, but there are a lot of <clears throat> older gentlemen with paunches <laughs> who aren't as fit as maybe the pros look on the telly who generally play golf, so... Yeah, I reckon I can play golf and uh, set some new PBs running at the same time. Brilliant. Well, we'll keep up with that. We'll Probably uh, help make... the golf as well. Yeah, is it? I reckon it'll help the golf. Yeah, being fit. It's hard. <coughs> 18, 18 hilly holes around uh, my golf club. Yeah, really hard. I can see how it is. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> What's going on in um, Biddeford? Anything? Um, Biddeford is a fairly sleepy little town, although when we left last weekend there was a regatta going on, and Ooh, tomorrow... Regatta. Yeah, I know. Tomorrow, big drum roll, Binford Carnival. Carnival, excellent. So is that going winding its way through all the streets, is it? Oh, God only knows. We've right. got some friends coming down, there'll be nowhere to park, it's going to be an absolute nightmare. Um, 
But hopefully I'll get some good pictures. Maybe we can put them up on the next podcast. Yeah, 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 it'd be good. That'd be good to see. Yeah, it'll probably be a bit of a giggle, so. Top. Brilliant. So, what are we going to talk about today? Um, Dr. Well, the, new, the new students have started. They've oh, yeah. They're in biology in a few weeks' time, and they seem like a very nice bunch. Um, so, hopefully they'll be catching up through the series of podcasts we've done so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, which covers most of the teaching course. But I think we're going to talk about the eye today, aren't we? So we're going to yeah. go outside that, what we normally, what is included in the Swansea Medicine teaching course. We're going to talk about the development of the eye, but probably kind of at a, a medical student level. And yeah. pretty interesting as well. If you know the anatomy of the eye, then uh, looking at the embryology kind of helps <clears> link some of these things together, make sense of some of these structures, I think. Fascinating topic. Yeah. Brilliant. So, the eye. How are we going to talk about the eye? Um, last week we were talking about germ layers, weren't we? Yeah, just yeah, we discussed... The germ layers involved. Yeah. Um, and then the eye forms in two parts. It's kind of got the front part and the back part, isn't it? The back part is the retina and the eye, you know, most of the eyeball. And yeah. We've got the front part, which is the uh, the lens and the cornea and the half the iris and all those Thanks. bits. So let's talk yeah. about the back part first, then the front part. And then try and link it all together as the eye gets formed. And uh, there probably aren't really that many congenital abnormalities that's worth talking about. There's one no. I can think of, but most of them uh, probably don't help the listener understand the embryology of the eye much. So. so we'll leave it at one. Okay, fair enough. Well, one of the first things that we should say about the development of the eye um, is that it does come from ectoderm. I think we did mention that in the last podcast. Um, yeah. But yeah. what. The eye Sorry. is part of the central nervous system, isn't it? It starts off, yeah. some of it does, so that's going to be neuroectoderm. Correct. Uh, another part comes from ectoderm, and I think we have a bit of mesoderm in between, don't we? So it's, it's mostly ectoderm. Well, yeah. it is, it's ectoderm and a bit of mesenchyme, a bit of mesoderm. And from <coughs> the ectoderm, yeah. we've already got neuro, neuroectoderm, and we've got some neural crest cells involved as well, haven't we? Yeah, and we've, we've got that surface ectoderm as well. So when we describe the eye, you'll see where the surface ectoderm and the neuroectoderm come together. Yeah, yeah, okay, so... To start off talking about the eye, we need to start talking about the central nervous system, don't we? Yeah. Well, we've got the neuroectoderm, we've got the tube for yeah, we've got the central nervous system. And at the top part, we've got the, um, the different parts of the brain forming, and then that goes down. And then in the tail part, we've got the spinal cord. Yeah, so the brain part, we've got swellings, haven't we? Kind of hollow swellings. Yes. Bits. It's all going to fold over to form the adult parts of the brain. So where yeah. do the eyes pop out from then? <laughs> pop out. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, basically, the eyes form from um, out pockets of the forebrain. So if you think about where your eyes are situated, it makes sense that they're going to develop from the forebrain. So the forebrain, okay. is that the bit that's going to become the um, uh, cerebral hemispheres? Yeah. Right, okay. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, they're going to pop out from yeah, that bit. So there's a couple of other swellings on either side for the left eye and the right eye then? Basically, yeah. They call them... Um, optic grooves to start with and then they develop a little bit more into kind of um like i said these out pocketings and they become optic vesicles that's what we call them right of neuroectoderm okay so it's still kind of like a uh, a balloony a balloon vesicle blowing up that's exactly right that's the shape we start with yeah and it's important to remember that there's always a connection to the brain so these are out pocketings but they don't bleb off there is still a connection straight to the forebrain right um, now that optic vesicle, if it starts off like a balloon, it changes to kind of a like a round wine glass shape, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, that's a good description. So if you had the balloon, you'd kind of stick your fist into it, 
yes. and push it so that it changed its shape into, uh, difficult to describe this, to a kind of a round wine glass with those two layers. So yeah. I've got a deeper layer and a more superficial layer. We can probably throw some, you reckon you can do some drawings of this? I, I think I can manage that. It's, it's, yeah. it's basically an invagination of that optic, um, we end up calling it, it goes from, from an optic groove to an optic vesicle to the optic cut. Um, yeah, that's right, the optic cut. And, and it's that, like you say, that wine glass effect, and it invaginates and pushes in, so you get the two layers. That was the, that was the most similar object I could think of, the wine glass, because, of course, the stem is the link back to the brain. Excellent. I like it. And, but, there's, um, but there's a gap at the bottom, though, isn't there? There's a, there's a fissure at the bottom, a choroid fissure. Yeah. So it's not a perfect wine glass. It's a wine glass kind of with a, with a groove cut out of the bottom of it. And yes. that extends down the stalk as well, doesn't it, back to the brain? Yes. So that part is going to become the retina, right? Yeah. And the optic nerve in yeah. the eye. And yeah. the, the, the adult retina, we, can't re- we, we don't really want to go into the adult retina here because it's, it's a really nice complicated structure. If you, look at the, if you can look at the histology of it, it's really interesting. But you've got two layers. So the deeper layer is the neuronal bit. The deeper layer is where all the sensors are. Yeah. The sensing cells and the nerve cells which are then going to reach their axons back to the brain. And the more superficial layer is the pigmented layer, right? Correct. Yeah. So from this wine glass with the two layers, the more superficial layer of the, uh, what did you call it? The op- not the optic vesicle anymore, it's the optic... Um, optic cup. Optic cup. So the more superficial layer of the optic cup, that's going to become that pigmented epi- uh, retina. Yeah. And the deeper layer is going to become the neuronal retina. With and, and that's the ones, rods sorry, that's got all the rods and the cones in it and all that kind of stuff, if everyone remembers those from their anatomy. Yep. So, so they, they are set, they start out as two separate layers. And I think in the ad, actually this is a, this is a space reference, isn't it? Um, detached retina. <laughs> Say again? Detached retina. Detached so you retina. Can, you can separate, in the adult, you can separate the pigmented layer from the neural layer. Um if you were a small boy and were pushed out of a tree by Simon Pegg's character in space. <laughs> yes. And then yes, you can get in the regular army. <laughs> 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 so those two layers do become opposed to each other and they do kind of stick together, but it's not like, you know, they're not like fused together like one future layer or anything. No, and... Um, so there's the embryological no. origins for that. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. And... Um, um, I mean, there's all sorts of things that we could go on about the rods and the cones and, you know, how incredibly impressive the whole setup is. But I think for this podcast, I don't think we need to go into that too much, do we? No, but if the listener wants to dig up a histology textbook and look at the, the layers, especially the, the neural part of the retina, there's lots and lots of uh, interesting cells there. Rods and cones. One does light and dark and one does colour. Which one's colour? C. C for colour. Cones. cones. C for cones, C for colour. Yeah. I can, I, know, I can never remember that. There are like three types of them. It's absolutely brilliant. Three types, yes. You've got like, like red, green, and blue. Yeah, short, middle, and long. I think there are, genetically speaking, there are two different types of green receptor. And some people can have an extra green. So you can have two greens and a red and a blue. And those are tetrachromatic people. And apparently, this, I think this is a, an excellent thing. So this is, a, this is what some women have. And they're tetrachromatic, so like my missus can see umpteen shades of beige where I just say it's brown. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether yes. she is tetrachromatic or not, but she doesn't have to see stuff I can't see. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the idea is you have three cones, but there are some interesting people. Look up tetrachromatic and Google, it's really cool. Um, where you have, um, you can see 
we have four cones, four different shades, four different types of cones. I don't know how best to describe it. I don't know much about it. But it, different animals have different numbers of cones as well, so different animals can see different things, can't they? Absolutely, they can. And I don't know about cones, but I've got a little fact about rods, because rods are the low intensity. They see, they do see colour, but just not as well, not half as well. So they're sort of, and they, because they see the low intensity light, they're the, the ones that we use more when the light's bad. So at night, um, owls have 100 times more rods than humans. Wow. I so, know. Yeah, the whole rods thing is they're, around, they're more around the outside, aren't they? So if you look at something directly... You can see the colour. Uh, if you look at some, if you look at something directly in the night, it's harder to see. But if you look at it just to the side of it, you, you can see it a bit better, can't you? Because you've got more. Right. So if you're using your peripheral vision, you mean? That's what I should be. Talking. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Try that. Thank you very much. Boy Scout stuff. See that is. <laughs> Walking in the dark without torches. Yeah. Just look to the side of it, and you'll see it a bit better in your peripheral vision. I oh, like that. And not very embryological, that. But hey. No, and carrots help you see in the dark. Nothing new there. Why do they help you see in the dark? Because they've got beta carotene in, and beta carotene is the pro-vitamin of vitamin A. And you need vitamin A. Another name for a type of vitamin A is retinoic acid. Retinoic retina helps you see. How does it help you see? What is it, oh, it it's complicated. Oh, is it? Well, yeah, it's, it involves rhodopsin. It involves um, a, a series of... Do you remember in chemistry when you have different forms of stuff and it's like cis and a trans form? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, basically, there's a cis form of something, cis 11, blah, 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 um, and that transforms to trans, blah, 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 and rhodopsin's involved somewhere, and um, so it's retinoic acid, and bingo. Wow, that's massively <laughs> helpful, yeah. Brilliant, I understand it much better now, thanks. Thanks. So, so retinoic <laughs> acid is involved in the light detection system of the rods and the cones. Is that safe to say? <clears throat> you said it, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, and of course we met retinoic acid when we were looking at limb development, didn't we? Yeah, and it's bad for limb development. Yeah, so vitamin A, which is why you don't have huge amounts of vitamin A in the early stages of pregnancy, yeah. because retinoic acid, first found in the retina, retinoic acid is a, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a signaling molecule which... Um, organises some of the patterning of the cells in the developing limb. Find out more yes. go back to that podcast. Quite interestingly, um, in the eye, um, they did some experiments with retinoic acid deficient mice or something, and it's the ventral part of the eye that doesn't develop. So it's quite specifically the ventral part of the eye and the um, uh, optic nerve that won't form if you haven't got vitamin A. <laughs> so that, that shows that there's a distinct diffusion gradient again. Correct. Hello. Okay. Anyway, right. Where were we? Right. So we got the. So obviously, all these cells we're talking about—they're derived from neuroectoderm, then. Yes. Yep. Okay. So all the retinal stuff—that's neuroectoderm. That's the optic vesicle, which has become the optic cup. Um. Oh yeah, the optic. Is it called the optic stalk? Yeah. The stalk going back now. Okay. Um. Now, how does the optic stalk become the optic nerve? Now you've got the cells. You've got the neuronal cells in the retina. Um, yeah. So they then send their, they, they've got to send their axons back to the relevant parts of the brain so it all gets wired up. So the stuff that the, the retinal cells are sensing, the light that they're sensing, is sent back to the brain so that the brain can perceive what the eyes are detecting, right? Yeah. So they, the, the, cells, the cell bodies then are in the retina and they send their axons back through the optic um, stalk. Yeah. And it becomes populated then with, with nerve fibres. Yeah. So it becomes the optic nerve. Yeah. Wow. Genius. We should probably talk about the choroid fissure there as well then, because that gap yeah. 
the choroid fissure, that gap in the wine glass extends down the stalk. Yeah. And um, it's got two vessels in it, the hyaloid vessels. So it's got the hyaloid yeah. artery and the hyaloid vein. And they're then blood vessels supplying blood to the layers of the retina. And also yeah. to, you know, to the developing eye as a whole at the early stages, isn't it? And yeah. as the axons from the neural, the, the retinal uh, neural cells extend back through the optic stalk, um, that fissure is lost, the, the, the optic stalk becomes a solid optic nerve and the vessels become, the hyaloid vessels become stuck in between all those axons so they're within the optic nerve, yeah. which is what we see in the adult anatomy, isn't it? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. the choroid fissure closes, begins to close at like just seven weeks. So all the stuff's happening so early. So by seven weeks, it's already beginning to close over. I mean, really, mm. you start to get what well, the optic cup. Um, you start to get what well, the really early signs of the optic cup is forming around four weeks. Yeah. Or the optic vesicle certainly. The optic cup's around by five weeks. Yeah. So yeah, well, six weeks. <laughs> and just, it's all just, done by. It's all getting done by seven, and certainly by eight. It's actually pretty. Oh, one so thing. It's the that, late stages of the em embryonic development. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say one thing that we should mention. Um, is because this optic nerve is a direct connection to the forebrain. Um, and if you remember in, in your brain anatomy, the brain has um, various layers that um, of protection, the meninges, okay, there's three in the brain. Okay, but because this stalk is um, a direct connection, um, it also has um, certain protective layers, okay, and there are two that we need to mention here, is that all right? So, yeah, okay, so around the brain we've got the piamater, the arachnoidmater, mm -hmm. and the duramater. Yeah. How does that translate to the eye, then, if it's an extension of the uh, developing brain? Okay, well, essentially, around the optic nerve, there are um, two layers. One is the choroid, one's called the choroid layer, okay, and that choroid layer can be directly um, linked to the piamater, okay, so it's going to be a vascular layer. So it's um, a vascular connective tissue layer holding all yes. together, right? Yeah, um, and it is continuous with the piamater, okay. And then the other one that we will need to mention is the sclera, okay, and the sclera is continuous with the duramater in the brain. So the sclera is the tougher, it's kind of, it's not has all the blood vessels within it, it's a tough, yeah, it's a thick outer layer. Yeah, thick layer. So, so those two we should mention. Yeah, okay, thank you. So the cornea then is um, a specialised part of the sclera. Yeah. It is, actually. The bit that you see through, the clear bit. Mm. I remember a little bit from the uh, squidging bullseyes around GCSE. Mm. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I well, remember the, uh, the sclera is pretty tough. Yeah, before we... Yeah, exactly. You, I, can, I can as well, actually. You just brought back a flood of memories. Um, the sclera, actually, yeah, there's another point. So in humans, in most people, the sclera is white, isn't it? That's the white of your eyes. Yes. But in, like, horses, it's black. I can't remember. Yeah. Cows, no, sheep, in sheep, sheep it's black. Sheep is black. Horses yeah. is black. Cows? I think it's white no. cows, isn't it? I remember a white bullseye. Ask Scott Sigler, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that's the ancestor podcast. Yeah. yeah. One one other thing, because we, we're just talking about the back of the eye. So one of the other things we need to mention is that massive space at the back, which is um, full of vitreous humour. Yes. So that's kind of like a massive part of the eye that we haven't mentioned yet. So, that, so carry on. Yeah. No, so yeah, in the adult, that's the vitreous body. That's why you end up chasing the uh, the bullseye around the bowl with a scalpel, isn't it? Because you, the <laughs> yeah. you penetrate it and the vitreous 
body just kind of squidges like a bouncy ball and flies across the room, yeah. It's really gelatinous, <laughs> isn't it, yeah? Yeah, it's full of collagen. Um, it's really gelatinous and it's kind of holding it all... I guess... That, I mean, I need to speak to um, somebody who knows about eyes. and Optician. I go from an optician, you have a what? A um, ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologist, yeah. Yes, but um, the pressure in the eye is... Uh, yeah, because to keep this, this sphere and the shape of the eye and what have you is linked to all this. But where does the vitreous humour come from? The stuff, that, the jelly stuff that films the vitreous body? Brilliant what makes, question. What makes that? Don't know. I think it's the cells of the retina. Ah, are there specialised cells in the retina? I think there might be. I think there are some cells in the retina that make that. Don't know um, what they're Okay, so the back part of the eye then, all this stuff we've talked about in the vitreous body, that extends up to the lens. Mm. And the attachments of the lens to the um, to the sides of the eye. Because we, we all know the um, the lens obviously can change shape, which helps us focus on things that are far or near. Yeah. Um, so that's the back of the eye. All this neuroectoderm stuff that we've talked about so far goes up as from the back as far anteriorly as the as the lens. So where does the lens come from? Well, I'm kind of hoping that it comes from the surface ectoderm. <laughs> Why are you hoping that? <laughs> no, it does. Um, if you remember when we were talking about that optic cup coming out of the neuroectoderm, what actually happens is it touches the surface ectoderm. Okay, so it's, and I think there are interactions that ah. go on. So it's going to induce the overlying ectoderm. Exactly. To become specialised. Exactly. Which makes sense, because you wouldn't want your, your lens and your cornea and stuff to just start appearing somewhere where your eye isn't. No, and what happens with, with this surface ectoderm, um, all these, uh, God only knows what reactions are taking place, but um, the surface ectoderm blebs inside and we end up getting a lens vesicle come off from it. So I'll draw a diagram to, to show it really clearly because I didn't explain it that well, but you essentially have this lens vesicle that originates from the surface ectoderm. So the cells on the surface ectoderm know they're going to become lens cells and they yes. start to sink down and eventually bleb away from the surface ectoderm and form a, a, like a kind of a sphere, a flattened sphere. What's a flattened sphere? <laughs> <laughs> I, bet, I bet Jack's learning this in his first year of school. What's a flattened sphere? That's the last disky thing, yeah, flying saucer, whatever shape that is. This, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Forms a shape like that, which is kind of the future lens. Yeah. So, so then that's between the new ectoderm stuff, the optic cup and the ectoderm. Yeah. Okay, what happens then? Um... I know the adult lens, the adult lens is obviously clear and being an articular cartilage biologist with an interest in collagen, I know that the, the lens is most mostly made up of type 4 collagen. So it's, see -through. it's got other collagens in there as well but it's mostly type 4. Um, I think the cell's probably most, mostly around the edge so I guess all that's going on in there. Uh, and I know that the lens is attached to the rest of the eye via the ciliary body. Yes, and that helps change the shape, yeah? The ciliary muscle helps change the shape. Yeah, so we have development of the ciliary body, um, and here we have this, the um, ciliary muscles. Um, yeah, okay, so there's a ciliary process, which is part of the optic cup, so part of the retinal layers. So the ciliary process and some of the underlying bits are going to become the ciliary body, and the ciliary muscle <coughs> is, as you rightly said, um, going to be formed from the mesenchyme which is fairly normal, muscle, mesoderm, yeah. mesokine. Um, so we have uh, the ciliary muscle, and then the ciliary body and the ciliary muscle attached to the lens via suspensory ligaments. 
um, little mm-hmm. tiny fibers. So as the muscle contracts and relaxes and stuff, it pulls and stretches and or lets the lens shrink back into a fatter shape. No, so it focuses the light on the back of the retina. So much yeah. of the ciliary body is formed from from retinal bits, from neurectoderm bits, but the ciliary muscle is formed from uh, mesoderm. I see. So there we go. So that's we've got that optic cup, all the retinal bits. We've got the lens. We've got the ligaments. We've got the ciliary body. That's the back part of the eye. Um, so the ciliary body is also making the aqueous humor, and the aqueous humor is going to fill the space between, in front of the lens, anterior to the lens, between the lens and the cornea. So it's different to the, the vitreous humor behind. That's another yes. I know of the colleague. Body. Yeah, and then, did, sorry, did you just say that it drains back into the blood supply? I didn't, no. Oh, <laughs> it drains back into the blood supply. Because um, obviously, um, you know, the blood supply, there's, there's not a lot of there's not a, uh, oh, uh, blood vessels running backwards and forwards and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, so there, there, there are blood vessels to the back part of the eye. Mm. Um, those um, hyaloid vessels we spoke of, mm. which also initially started, they supply the retina and the developing lens and that sort of thing. Um, but then they're lost later on in development yeah. of the eye. Yeah, um, so so the front part of the eye needs to get its nutrients from somewhere, and it is this aqueous humour. Uh, yeah, so the ciliary body makes the aqueous humour. So what have we got in the front part of the eye then? So we've got the lens, which we just spoke about. Yeah, the ciliary body that we just talked about. Ooh, we've got muscle the and... Yep, we've, got the iris. The, we've got the iris and we've got to cover the cornea as and well. We've got the cornea. So the cornea we kind of touched on. We've got the sclera, which is the outermost layer of the eye. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the bit in the front of the eye is going to become specialised and becomes the cornea. Specialised because it's, A, it's transparent so you can see through it. And B, because it's curved at a different radius to the rest of the eyeball to help focus the light onto the lens. So it's an important part of the function of the eye. Um, yeah, so that's how the cornea forms. The cornea forms from ectoderm. So what about the iris then? Yeah, um, the iris, well... Okay, so it's a colour part of the eye, yeah? You get that part, okay? And it's, it's basically a sphincter around the pupil of the eye, the pupil being your black bit where the light comes through, okay? So it comes through there to get to the retina. But the iris is, is I don't know, it's got its name because it's named after the colour, all that kind of stuff. But basically, it's, I think its main function is not to look pretty. Um, <laughs> it's probably a function, though, isn't it? <laughs> yes. A but, um, type function. Sorry. <laughs> it's got... It's got pigmented tissue, okay, and that, that can be called stroma. And it's got these two types of pupillae muscles, okay? So it's got a sphincter pupillae, which contracts the pupil, and a dilator pupillae to open the pupil, okay? So it's all about controlling the light, the pupil aperture, if you like. That's a bit camera-y, isn't it? No, um, that's exactly what it does, yeah. And um, basically, um, blah, 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 blah. it's got to have pigment con- pigment content to concentrate that light so that it, the light can't get through um, the too much of the area. So not too much light can get through, that's what I'm trying to say. <coughs> Interestingly, the pigment, guess what it is? Melanin. Yeah, it's exactly the same as in your hair and your skin and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's got a slightly different structure. Hmm? It's the pigment I can think of. Ah, hang on, this links back to last week. So then... Are there neural crest cells involved with this then? If yeah. about melanin? There must be, because that's where yeah. melanin, melanocytes come from. Excellent. So, um, so, yeah, basically, 
it's the pigment is melanin um it's the color of the eye doesn't just depend on melanin it's also sort of the texture um how much is laid down um other fibrous tissues and blood vessels that are around that area um but putting it simply is that um the more melanin you deposit in your eye the darker your eye color is okay so yeah so babies all have blue eyes because they haven't had the time to lay down enough melanin to darken the iris of their eye. Oh, I see. So as they get older then, that's why the eye colour changes? Yeah. Oh, cool. That's it. So, um, is the iris, is it partly formed from ectoderm, partly formed from mesoderm? Or is it all mesoderm? Um, I think... The sphincter pupillae and the dilator pupillae are both from mesenchyme. Right. Um, and then obviously the pigment cells are from the neural crest. Yeah, cool. Okay, so so that's um, the anterior part of the eye then. So that aqueous humor we spoke about is coming from the ciliary body into the posterior chamber, which is the space between the iris and the lens, passing through the pupil, so there's a proper hole there into the anterior chamber, which is between the iris and the cornea, and then going back into the blood supply through that uh, meshwork you mentioned. Yeah. Cool, okay. So, we've talked about the formation of the vitreous body of the retina. We've yeah. We've talked about some of the blood vessels. We've talked about the lens. We've talked about the iris. We've talked about the cornea. We've talked about the muscles. I think we've covered everything we need to. Oh, uh, there's one uh, congenital thing which is worth talking about, which is uh, coloboma. Oh, yeah. Which has been, uh, it was in the press uh, what, last year because uh, when Madeleine McCann was kidnapped, it was noticed that on her photo she had a uh, coloboma in her left eye or a right eye, mm. something like that. So people suddenly realise what a coloboma is. So a coloboma is, um, normally it's a gap in the iris. So if it, instead of the colour going all the way around, there's a gap in the bottom of the iris where it's black yeah. outside the pupil. It's, it's the... Go on. I was going to say, it most commonly affects the iris. That is the mo- There are loads of different types of it, but it is most common that it just affects the iris. Karen? Yeah, you, I mean, you can get a gap in the eyelid and all sorts. Um, but it's caused by uh, the choroid fissure that we spoke about earlier, that gap in the wine glass structure, not closing. So it's supposed to close so you have a, so you have a properly round eye. If it doesn't close, then um, you have this gap in the iris. So you have a coloboma. Yeah. Um, and it will affect vision because too much light can get through. Right. Yeah. To the retina. So, um, and and apparently there's there's not really any treatment for it either. So. Hmm. Hmm. It's not very common. No, most of the other congenital defects I'm aware of. Maybe we should get an ophthalmologist or somebody to have a chat about this. But um, most of the other congenital defects I've I've seen, I don't know that they link very well to the embryology. I don't know how well understood they are. No, I've had a look through and. Um, Nah, to be honest, there's there's various things like congenital cataracts and things like that. But um, and the only the only link with that is mothers who've had rubella during pregnancy. But the others, I mean, the others are yeah, very different to, mm. to that. Mm. I mean, there, 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 going to the other end of the life scale, I know there's there's an interesting thing about the cornea of death, us being anatomists and working with lots of dead bodies and what have you, is that um, the cornea is cloudy after death. I don't know how true this is. This is on Wikipedia, I think, and it wasn't referenced. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is that um, you've got that circulation of aqueous humour, so it's taken back into the uh, into the blood supply. And, and after death, that circulation, that uptake back into the blood doesn't occur, so the cornea absorbs some of the aqueous humour, and as it absorbs it, it goes cloudy. And if you take the cornea out and dry it out, 
and keep it warm, it clears up again. I don't know how true that is, but... Mm, little experiment. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe not, but uh, it's certainly something we observe, isn't it? You can you can see there's a difference in the young eye and the older eye, and certainly in the eye of yeah. um, of, of a body that you're dissecting. Yeah, that's interesting. Very. Anyway, okay, I think we've covered everything. I think Very we nice. have. I think we have. I think that's everything. Um, even if I had anything else to say, can't be bothered. It's not interesting enough. Um, well, we did get away from the embryology quite a bit, I think, because the eye, the rest of the eye, is so interesting. So it is. It is. I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. And and because um, special senses are so interesting, um, we're going to try and do another special senses podcast. I think next, aren't we? Do the year, shall we? I think that would be a good idea. So we can talk about falling over and listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds perfect. It's probably so really relevant to a podcast. What is? Listening. Listening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah unless people switch off. Yeah, I should be doing that in somewhere. Right, okay, well, thank you, Ree. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, I've learned something. Yeah, I've had a good podcast. Enjoyed that. Yeah, okay, cheers. Okay, right. Well, see you next time, everybody. Absolutely. Bye bye.